This episode is from a series of classes where Shakti Durga is reading from her book, Spiritual Mastery. Hi everyone, it's Shakti Durga and welcome to this episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Each episode is going to feature some of the highlights from live trainings, retreats, online classes and presentations that I've done around the world. If you find value in it, please text the link to the podcast to a friend or share it with your networks. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Namaste. Welcome to our discussion of Hallmark number six, how can we have mental mastery? This one is kind of challenging, but so necessary and obvious in a way that we need to be able to modulate how we use our minds so that we don't use them in a way that is destructive and creates harm for ourselves or others. The mind is often used merely as an instrument by most people to show us what's going on in the world. So if uh, someone's doing something we don't like, that registers in our mind and go, oh, I really don't like that, that that person's doing. And in goes, that person does things I don't like. And then next time we meet that person, we're expecting that they're going to do things we don't like and so on and so forth. And what happens is over time, we develop a critical pathway in our mind concerning that person and our expectation and our memory of that person is the things we don't like. However, that person may have other facets to the diamond of their personality and they may be basically good people and they may have lovely qualities. But because we have judged them in this way, all we ever see is the bad bits. We just see the negativity. So the mind can be used much as the sense of sight is used to see things. We hear things with our ears. We smell things. We taste things. We feel things with our hands. And there's a sense in which when we use our mind merely to register what is going on around us, it's a useful thing, but it is only a fraction of what the mind is designed for. Those who attain self-mastery start to use their mind for yet another purpose. And the second purpose that they use the mind for is to enter into the creative process. So instead of just focusing on, oh, this has happened and that's happened and that's happened, the creative mind can be used to start to imagine, hmm, how could this be lifted? How could this be improved upon? How could we change this situation for the better? And if dealing with a person who's been exhibiting some difficult tendencies, the questions might be, how can I help to support this person? How can I manage this situation so that I can help that person to get through their difficulty and to shine in their life. If somebody is uh, being a bit short with us, instead of just straight away being short back, if we take the time to just uh, utilize the mind, then what we can do is devise a response that is what we want the vibration of the communication to be and that will then have an alchemical effect upon the relationship with that person. It'll be the first little brick in the wall of building a new relationship with that person. Instead of cementing in the negative 
we start to find creative ways to bring about a more positive interaction. Now, I'm not saying for one moment that every single person is capable of lifting and shifting with us through these means, but you'll find that most of the people we deal with, we can bring out the best in them and in us if we just shift our mindset. Mindset is so important in so many ways. It tends to be that what we anticipate the world will look like, it tends to look like that. And there's been much written on this subject that we tend to notice only about 5% of what's actually going on around us in the world. And the other 95% of the stimulus that's going on around us in the world isn't filed in the conscious folder of the mind, but goes into the unconscious or the subconscious. So imagine that, 95% of what's going on around us, we can't hold it in our conscious mind. It doesn't have enough of a big filing system to be able to deal with it. When we're using our mind in a conscious way, then we want to be able to access more depth of mind than we normally can. So this means finding ways to use and harness the conscious mind to also find out what's going on in the subconscious part of self and then also to understand that part of our thinking process is actually linked to the thought processes of the many people that we interact with. In any given day, we're part of a culture, a society, a family, a work group, a group of people who are shopping online or in a store. We're part of a community. And when we're part of a community, we tend to be open to the way other people are thinking and their thoughts can impact us in quite extraordinary ways. And over time, I've started to notice that sometimes the things I'm thinking haven't really originated inside me. They've originated inside other people. And that if you start to really watch your mind, you can start to see the difference between a thought that is your thought and one that's kind of come in from someone else. So let me give you a couple of examples. Sometimes people have been brought up by very critical parents. And then when they go to do something, the voice inside their head is critical, 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 and sounds just like their mother. In fact, that voice is a memory tape of their mother speaking to them long ago. It's actually not their thought. It's something that they've um, taken on uh, from their mother and from the past. And sometimes we actually can intuit what it is that others around us are thinking and that we actually do this with quite a bit of regularity. It's part of our good communication system, actually. We start to be able to tell what someone's thinking, not all the time, but sometimes you can. I remember a time when I was running an event at our Sydney Centre years ago now, and people were coming up the front to say hello to me. And a particular lady was coming up in the line and I didn't know her. And as she approached, I thought to myself, what an ugly woman. And then I went, what? I don't normally think that about people. How did that thought land in my head? And then I looked at her and I thought, she thinks she's really ugly. And that's just popped out of her mind into my mind. And that wasn't my thought. 
So when she came up to me, I just looked her in the eye and I said, you're such a beautiful woman. And you know what happened? She burst into tears. Surprise, surprise. And it was the beginning of a big healing for her because someone was able to give her feedback about beauty. Whereas I would say that earlier in her life, there'd been some pretty negative feedback given to her, which she'd believed. And there was nothing wrong with this woman at all. She was just a woman, you know. She was a very nice woman. So think about your own life. There are times you just know. If you have children, sometimes you just know what's going on in their minds. We can expand on that skill. And there's a sense in which, at a subconscious level, our minds are more connected to other people than you might think. And that when we're sending out thoughts, we don't even know we're sending them out. When we're thinking thoughts, they're actually permeating out of us as a vibrational wave and they're affecting other people, particularly the people we're thinking about, even though we might be miles away from them. When you think thoughts about a person, even though they're miles away, on a subconscious level, they get the gist of what it is and they'll probably start having a sensation towards you that they wouldn't know in their conscious mind, but they have a feeling about you. So if you're sending lovely thoughts to them, they probably think of you in a nice way just at that moment or at some stage. If we're thinking thoughts about another person, then they might not receive them consciously, at least not without a lot of practice, but they do receive them subconsciously, I believe. People will start to get a sense about you that's either positive or negative. If you're sending out a lot of critical vibes about a person, they'll probably pick it up. And they'll just feel a bit uncomfortable with you and interactions with that person will be more difficult than they need to be. Conversely, if you're able to send loving thoughts as a vibration that comes out from you towards other people, then other people generally tend to have a positive feeling about you. And this makes communication a lot easier. And if you think this sounds a bit strange, just try it and see what happens. For me, I think the ultimate in self-mastery is to know that you are more than what's contained within the skin, that you are part of one whole indivisible creation, that you're part of the Tao. When we make the journey from the consciousness of me in here and you out there to we are all in this oneness and we're all connected, this is a very substantial piece of mental mastery that we attain. When I'm coming from the consciousness of duality, me in here, the rest of the world out there, if something happens in the world out there that I don't like, I either feel powerless and a victim, I give my power away completely, or I have to try my best to control you and everyone else because otherwise I can't feel safe. We can't flow with life because we're too busy being frightened and panicking because there's all this complexity out there in the world that we don't feel connected to. One of the biggest shifts we can make in our entire life is to start to appreciate ourselves as part of something much greater than ourselves. When we start to fundamentally understand 
that if something is happening in my life, then somewhere in me, in my consciousness, there is the root of that. The seed is in me somewhere inside my consciousness. Sometimes we can find the seed in our conscious mind. For instance, if you uh, are finding um, the people around you unreliable, then you may find that you are thinking people are so unreliable. People are so unreliable. People are so unreliable. You might say it a lot of times. And if that's the case, then you're likely to just create more and more and more of people being unreliable. You see them out there as being unreliable and you in here having nothing to do with that. But a practical way to start coming from unity consciousness is to realize that those unreliable people are around you for a reason. And part of that reason is to alert you to the fact that in your mind somewhere, there is a big program that says people are unreliable. If you take the time to start to change that program and to start to affirm there are reliable people around me, not everybody's unreliable. There are some good reliable people around me. If you start to bring that kind of thinking, you may see a change in the reliability of people generally. And even some of the people that you haven't found reliable in the past, they might start to become a little more reliable. In this way, you're interacting with the world around you in a way that says we're all in this together. We're all part of one giant plan and consciousness is what's linking us together. So these are things to play with. They're great ideas to play with. Thoughts that are destructive or filled with energies like rage or shame and anger, despair, all those things, they're not normal to the essence of who we be. They're part of the law of polarity. They're part of the freedom that we've been given as humans to have choice in how we think and how we feel. These things can be thought of as a kind of spiritual madness in a way. And when we're experiencing them, well, we can understand that maybe there's things to learn from this situation. When we practice mental mastery, we're interested in going into these areas and going, wow, look at this. Look at all this anger that's going on in me and in others. These feelings of hopelessness. I want to challenge this reality. I don't want to just put up with it. I want to make the changes I need to within my own being so that I can actually change my situation. So when people are developing mastery with their thoughts, they're able to choose more or less the way they think and keep their thoughts as positive as possible because over time, the thoughts of a self-mastered person start to become a little more potent in terms of instruments of manifesting. Imagine what would happen if right now everything you thought about started to manifest. Everything. So it could be scary, right? It might not be good at all. So when we can control our minds, when we're able to be constant and steadfast in respectfulness and dharmic and virtuous thought, you'll find that the universe will give you more responsibility. The Tao will awaken within you and your capacity to be a person who can bring positive change to your spheres of influence will be amazing. It all starts with how we use our mind. Let's think about some tools to use with the mind. 
And one of my favorite tools to use is affirmations. And an affirmation is a positive statement of intention. And usually I use affirmations in areas where things could be better in my life than what they are right now. I always think if things are already going well, don't change it. So you only start using affirmations if things are going badly. So the idea with an affirmation is flipping whatever it is. So sometimes we can have the, a thought about ourselves, no, it doesn't matter what I do, I always muck things up. And so for an affirmation, you would flip that to, I do rather well at the things I put my mind to. So that would be an example of a positive affirmation. For some people, the gap between I always muck things up and actually I do rather well is too big a leap for them to make. And so if that's the case, you can use another form of affirmation, which is like a halfway house, and it's called ratcheting. So if you're trying to twist a nut on a wheel um, and, and you can't, you can use a spanner or a ratchet to try and uh, tighten it more. And it's kind of like a tool, a power tool to move things. So I think of this as ratcheting our consciousness from one level to another. And so instead of, I always muck things up and I can't quite get to, actually I do rather well, the middle ground would be, sometimes I do a good job. Can you see how that is much better than I always muck things up? And it's more believable maybe at the beginning stages. And then when you start to get really comfortable with sometimes I do a good job, you can change your affirmation to I do a great job and people love my work. Do you see what I mean? You can just create, 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 make it a higher and higher um, situation. So affirmations don't work if you don't use them. With affirmations, we need to use them regularly and often, kind of all day long when you're not using your mind for anything else. And if you use an affirmation often enough, it will start to play in your mind without you asking it to. And that's when you'll know that you've started to really install that new thought. If you have to work hard to get the affirmation to come, you haven't done nearly enough work with it. But when you know that an affirmation has really done its work is when it drops from your conscious mind to the subconscious. And you might think, well, how will I know that? Because the, con the subconscious is not conscious, well, your reality around you will change. It'll start to just be different. And you'll go, oh, I've installed that affirmation. Isn't that fabulous? Because you'll notice that things will be different in the world around you. That's how powerful our minds can be. There's some new science that suggests that the whole of the universe is actually consciousness. There's a whole branch of science coming through to that effect. And so our own minds small as they are compared with the whole universe, can have a little bit of effect in terms of turning the wheels of creativity and creation itself. Little bit by little bit, we can change our world with our minds. Another great way of working with your mind is to use visualization. Creative imagination, it could be called. When I first started to use creative imagination and visualization, I was so bad at it because I was a very logical, rational person, very highly educated, and, and just didn't have that creative side of my mind activated <laughs> at all. And so I found even a simple thing like close your eyes and imagine the color red. Well, do you think I could do that? No, I couldn't. 
I had to go and look at something red and then close my eyes and with some practice I could imagine the colour red. So I've come a long way from then and now 30 years later I'm pretty good at creative visualisation. And visualisation I think is an even faster method than affirmation at using your mind as an instrument of creation to bring about desired results in your life. So how do you use a visualisation? Well, you think about what it is you'd like your life to look like instead of thinking about your problems. Think for a moment. When you think about your problems, are you thinking in words or pictures? If you think in words, then use your affirmations to change things. If you think in pictures, then use visualizations to change things but ideally use both if I was living in a house I didn't like and it was small and cramped and not very well maintained and I didn't like the landlord and I'd really like to own my own house that was clean and nice and well kept and beautiful then thinking about my ugly little house the whole time is not going to help me get a different place But if I can start to visualize the type of place I'd like to live in, then I start to pull a different reality towards me. Someone once said to me that imagination lays the track work for the reality train. And I think it's true. When we can start to imagine something better for ourselves, we tend to spin the wheels of creation in a way that that better world starts to come to us. One of the tools you can use to support visualization is to create a vision board. It's not only fun, it can be very beautiful and creative to do, but vision boards have been shown in many instances to bring about um, that we magnetize to us the things that the vision board has on it. I remember at one stage, I really wanted a, a great big harp, you know, like angels play, big harp. And I thought, oh, gosh, they're so expensive. I don't know if I really want to justify buying a big harp. Um, You know, it's thousands and thousands of dollars. Anyway, so I put a new harp on my vision board. And about a year later, someone gave me one. So many things that I've put on my vision board have turned out to turn up in my life. It's just been incredible. So many examples And so see for yourself. I always say that the best evidence in our life is our own experience. And so try some of these things and see how you go. I once heard a spiritual teacher say, if you think that you're too small and insignificant to have any effect in the world, just think of the effect of one little mosquito in your bedroom of a nighttime. Small but effective, isn't it? Another teacher said, through very small effort, great things can be accomplished. A huge serpent can be destroyed by a large number of small ants. Never consider yourself small. Seek to acquire the mental strength and determination to carry out that which is yours to do. Let's have a look at what are the pitfalls and the highest aspirations around the hallmark of mental mastery. Well, of the highest aspirations, I'd like to share eight with you. The first is the ability to still your mind at will. This is going to take a lot of practice at meditation 
and later we'll be looking at the hallmark of transcendence, which will help with mental mastery. So we'll come back to it there. The second one is to exercise control and choice concerning what it is you let your mind dwell upon. It is up to you what you think about. So why don't you build a garden of the mind that is well pruned, get rid of the weeds and let there be beautiful things in your mind, even when the world outside is not as beautiful as you'd like it to be. You can acknowledge that, but then don't dwell on it. The third aspiration is to be able to develop concentration, to be able to concentrate on something uh, long enough to be able to make some progress in your life in that area. The fourth one is to be able to focus. And a focus is to not be um, waylaid by many other interesting things that come along for you to want to consider. So the next one is awareness. And awareness and focus are similar but different Awareness is being aware of everything going on around you in a gestalt or pattern-oriented way, whereas focus is being like a laser beam. I'm just thinking of this one thing. Concentration can be done either in a focused or aware way. Awareness you can cultivate by certain types of meditations by which we become one with our surroundings and that we sense everything around us in certain ways. And both of them can help us expand our range of thought processes in a positive way. Another of the highest aspirations is to be open-minded. A lot of people we meet aren't. They're very closed in the mind and very hidebound in terms of how they think. They are not open to new ideas or new suggestions. And for them, life is just the same old, same old. And they are, they are non-adapters to new and potentially wonderful ideas and concepts that they could try on and perhaps enjoy very much in their life. The next aspiration is to have creative thinking, to be able to think outside the square. And for that, you need some downtime because when a mind is tired, it stops being very creative It gets a bit stale. So we need time to play, to be in nature, to relax, to enjoy music, maybe to dance or sing or meditate so that we can rest, regenerate and rejuvenate our mind and then our creative thinking will come back on stream. And the last of the aspirations, but a very important one, is to be able to use our reason and logical thinking so as to find a pathway in life and to refine how our emotional response is going to whatever's happening around us. So by practicing rational thinking and logic, uh, much can be attained. So a few pitfalls to watch out for um, in this hallmark of mastery. Believing that our thoughts are the only reality, that what we think is actually true and universal, that's a pitfall. The second, to have an untrained mind that is mentally soft and unreliable. As we train our minds over time, your mind will become robust. It will become um, more easy to manage 
over time and will not have thoughts like a bolting horse that are uncontrollable. Blame and shame are pitfalls to think about mentally. Blame and shame, they'll just cause you grief. Criticising others is another one. And a lack of uh, acknowledgement of the good in others. And lastly, whilst logic is extremely important, don't give your whole power to it. Because logic requires parameters. And if the parameters are incorrect, the logic will fail. A logical course of anything you want to think about But if one little bit of what it's based on isn't sound, then your logic gets you nowhere. You have to go back to first principles and think it through again. So just watch out for that. And those, my friends, are the things to watch out for. And good luck as you cultivate the all-important skill of mental mastery. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Soul Talk. I hope the podcast has served you in creating a happier and more abundant life. If you've enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to connect with me, head over to shaktidurga.com. Daddy.